0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us again on another episode of the Retake Lounge. I am your co-host, Lucas Bagneria, joined by our other co-host, Nathan Katz. Guys, if you are listening in, go ahead and like, subscribe, comment on these videos and podcasts. You can find us on YouTube as well as any podcast platform for your audio. Uh, If you guys are cleaning cages one day and you guys just want to listen to the audio, go ahead and tune in to Apple Podcasts or iHeart or Spotify. If you guys are just wanting to watch a video, come hang out with us, you can catch us on YouTube. Um, as well as for those of you who want to actually join our community with the retake lounge, go ahead and join our Patreon. We have different tiers, different levels to get you guys engaged, ask questions, we provide answers, and get an opportunity to join us on our show as well.
1: As well, uh, we just want to make sure that all of our members are supporting USARC. That's the United States Association of Reptile Keepers. Uh, Becoming a member is super important right now. Uh, If you're already a member, donate, but uh, member numbers mean more than anything. So uh, subscribe to their newsletter, make sure that you're getting all the updates through USARC that covers any of their um, local as well as uh, countrywide legislation that may be going on dealing with reptiles so um as well they have a youtube channel go ahead and subscribe to that they also post really important updates there and a little bit more uh detail on how this affects us as a community
0: yeah absolutely i cannot emphasize the importance of having more bodies and out there and having people in numbers to um be a member of u.s arc um so, in the end of Nathan, the day,
1: that's what, that's what our legislators are looking at. They're looking at member numbers, not <clears> how <enough throat> much money is coming in.
0: Exactly. Uh, so today's episode, we got an interview with the Brian Cusco, um, you know, Triple B TV. Um, I'm sure all of you listeners know exactly who we're talking about. Um, the interview was interesting as it gets with Brian. Um, it, it, it was a great time hanging out with him, having some drinks, talking about retakes and hearing his experience. Now I I will tell you right off the bat, this is not a interview that's going to want to convince everyone in the world to go and get a retake. It's, it's his real life experience of getting to keep retakes, um, struggles he has, the things he loves, and he gets to share, um, you know it's it's pretty awesome he has his his retake on there and and you get to see him interact with it and um he shares his love and passion and why he has retake so we're excited to uh share this interview with you um so stay tuned and enjoy
2: All right
3: man what's so, going on oh, I I canceled my US membership yesterday so I should probably sign
2: out yeah all right bye right. Brian. Nice, nice, yeah. yeah. nice talking to you I was
3: really going to try and be 100 percent serious on this episode um and only talk about retics I'm going to try and stick to that being a retic <laughs> podcast
2: nah, no no so we don't are- need that
0: so for those of you tuning in, Brian Cusco just got done recording a day's worth of whiskey wimps. So he is gonna be having it. What's going on? One one month. Noah stage mo- One month an and, and one week.
3: What the whiskey stuff.
2: Hi. Hi. Can I help you? I'm just saying hi.
3: Hi. <laughs> Would you like to say something about reticulated pythons?
2: reticulated pythons are pretty big <laughs> uh, ask him if they make good pets what I said. ask him if a kid if a you kid should. should have reticulated pythons hey
3: no i said should should uh kids have reticulated pythons for pets come on if you're gonna be down here you gotta be part of the podcast
2: whatever their parents think
3: all right so whatever i say whatever i say goes okay. he's got a blood python. I,
2: I say that's some solid advice
3: he, he does okay. have his well, first he raised him snake well. is a blood python
2: yeah, you raised him well.
3: He made the decision on his own. The
2: perfect so example of what we should all be as parents.
3: Noah? He doesn't have a clue what he's doing yet in
2: parenting. Oh, I mean, as far as blood pythons go, I mean, he might have somewhat of an idea.
3: Yeah, leave him alone, mostly.
2: At this point. <laughs> Wait until they poop eight <laughs> months later.
0: Clean the poop. Yeah, once, once or twice a year. Once a year. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Brian, out of all people, being our first guest on the Retick Lounge about reticks, and I'm sure everyone knows that you have reticks, but it's definitely not what you're known for. I hope everybody's um, what got what what got you into reticks.
3: Hmm. You know, I for the longest time I thought for sure that I wouldn't have big snakes like that. I mean, I I've, I got my first pet snake when I was four, and. I kept for a long time and then took a hiatus in Hawaii, which anybody who follows me in particular knows, but I I took that hiatus from snake keeping out there when I came back, got my first ball python in life and saw reticulated pythons and Burmese pythons at the original snake shop that I went to when I was a kid, East Bay Vivarium. And I remember specifically looking at some of the big snakes in the enclosures there and thinking, Nope, that's too much snake for me i'm not going to keep a snake that big just not going to do it and i stayed on that mindset and even to the point where i went to the first i think it was even my second reptile super show at this point point. and i was there and jay had a booth and one of his employees was showing me a, a golden child and was basically trying to sell me on why i did actually need a retick. and he's he's holding this thing and he's like oh check it out it's totally dot and it just grabs him and like latches onto his finger it's a baby you know and, and, and then you were like i want one <laughs> well, he couldn't get it off that was the other thing it was a feeding response and he not only did he was like literally trying to sell me on the snake <laughs> and I, it grabs him and won't let go and i'm like yeah and it's a, a baby and i'm thinking no but it was that it, it was that experience with retics and, and going to jay's place and hanging out with a lot of the snakes there which if anybody who's been there knows it, um, they do have some very docile retakes and there's a lot of human interaction happening with a lot of their snakes there, and a lot of them really cool. And when when you have when you're struggling to lift a snake, and you love snakes like we do, or like like you know most a lot of us do in the hobby, that that level of appreciation we have for snakes, and probably as as a male, maybe in that that testosterone thing, and how people say you can build your testosterone by doing squats when you're squatting a retic it really gets you in tune with your your testosterone male driven energy and just like oh and it's so and they're so docile at the same time it's not trying to bite you and you're just struggling to lift a snake which my entire life picking up snakes it's It's never power it's never yeah it's never been a muscle thing it's just been like this is cool i'm hanging out with the snake it's a snake i'm holding it and it's small and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's a snake and, and it's huge. And I've always thought, no, I'm not gonna keep one of these cause they're too big, but then you're having this experience with one and you're just having a great time and you are struggling even with a snake that is docile and that that's pretty cool. My first retake was a golden child and it, and nice. like the, I mean, the iridescence is a lot of people have seen of a golden child in the sun is just pretty incredible and and they're so smooth especially these babies i mean they have such a high scale count that the feel of them in your hands is just so soft and they're so if you're coming from things like corn snakes and and ball pythons and kalubers and and things like that they're just different you know they seem a little more athletic you can see their pupil a lot more easily than some other snakes which i i've actually noticed in the last couple of years i think that ball pythons also move their eyes inside their sockets. But a lot of people say you can really notice on a retake when they move their eye inside and they're looking around. A lot of other snakes do that, but for some reason on a retake, it's very prominent. You can see it real easily. Them, them moving their, mm-hmm. their eyes inside their sockets and looking around. And it's, it's just kind of, it's kind of cool. They're different, you know, it's a different species. When you're a snake nerd, like a lot of us are, then a reticulate, python is, is pretty cool to witness and watch. And, and they're just, a bit more methodical, I, I, I guess, in, in their movement um, than a lot of other snakes that just seem to be strictly fight or flight. These guys seem to be thinking a little bit differently than some of those other species. That said, this girl that I'm holding right here, who is probably the most docile retic that I've ever encountered, um, she she tried to bite the hook and eat it as our first interaction this evening, <laughs> you know, and this is again, the most okay. docile snake. Like I've got video of, of Noah holding this snake when mm-hmm. he was a baby and this snake was, you know, young and they're just having a good old time. The snake's just kissing the side of his face. And again, one of the most docile snakes ever, but still <laughs> that food response is ridiculous. And it's something that, that a
2: purple girl, that's the exact same way.
3: Yeah. I know you guys go with. the I mean, podcast. yeah, she looks like she looks like a puppy right there. She is a puppy. she, I mean, a puppy is much more bitey than this snake. This snake has never bit me, um, ever. And just what just, is she exactly? She is a lavender. And I say she. The crazy thing is, I I got her at the same time as my biggest snake here, a purple, a, a straight albino, purple albino. This girl is a lavender genetic stripe probable tiger and i got her at the exact same day as again the biggest snake here and i even had garrett over here just to to sex him her which i still question because of the size difference i mean look at this is my this is the smallest retic in the room aside from the super dwarves and, and her counterpart that is the same exact age as the biggest snake here so it's kind of a conundrum
0: Hmm
2: and they, oh, they're both need, from Jay, right?
3: Sure. Um neither of them are from Jay, actually.
2: Oh, oh, okay. Who are they from?
3: Um it's been a long time, so forgive me, but I'm um, the purple, yeah. Jeff Wilson. Does that name ring a bell? Okay.
0: Yeah, that's the not, I'm pretty sure that's the Solaire dude that that sold a lot of Solaire's to Garrett.
3: Maybe. And then, uh, I don't quote me on this, but I want to say that it was Blake Stewart that produced this lavender. Don't again, don't, don't quote me. I'm not going to, this was a long, this was a while ago. I was not living in this house, which I've been living in this house for a long time at this point. Um, was it Blake, Blake, Blake Wilson, not Blake Stewart. Why am I saying Blake? Stewart? Wilson? Blake Wilson. Blake, Blake, yeah, Blake Wilson. Blake but I also Wilson, said I Jeff that. Wilson. <laughs> Getting names confused.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I, I at first I was thinking Blake Wilson when you said that. So and
0: then I got this super hmm. door from Garrett Wilson. <laughs> 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 and then there
3: was this other snake that I just named Wilson because we were alone on an island one time, <laughs> and uh, that's just what came to me, you know, out of a
0: dream. I should call it Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Next question. So, Brian, I, I'm, 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 I'm curious. You've had retakes for a while now, right? Mm-hmm Question: Why every day? Why, why don't Why don't you Why don't you breed them?
3: I contemplated breeding them this year. I actually put a male in with a female um, late last year, just because the male was exhibiting extreme wanting to breed attitude i was like oh you know what we'll just we'll just go ahead and throw him in then and and see what happens the main reason is just and i've said this before um just the amount of people that are willing to care for a retake from uh, hashling to adult and throughout full adulthood mm-hmm. seem to be a strained number and a strained number i mean I've seen in the short time I've been back in, in the reptile keeping world, the snake keeping world. I saw a lot of people get retics when they were small and then get rid of them when they got big. And Mm -hmm. based on how many babies that you get in a clutch, I didn't want to be responsible for finding that number of responsible keepers who weren't going to dump them once they got big. I just didn't want to be responsible for that. It seemed like a lot of and That I even mean,
2: weighs on me a little bit with the dwarf and super dwarf stuff. Even though they stay small, it can be an intimidating snake to some people. So,
3: I mean, <laughs> I, just, I'm a fairly you know, seasoned snake that, keeper, that, and they're still intimidating to me. Not not in there. I mean, the ones I have are, are very docile. I've worked with them a lot. You know, I take them around kids. Tomorrow, you, I'm going to have... Yeah, a, the
2: ones you work with.
3: Yeah, I'm going to have a educational program tomorrow at a kid's birthday party. I'm bringing my biggest retake, and she's going to be touched by every kid there that wants to. Um, and she's great, but she's big and she's heavy and it's, it's work. You you have to have some strength to be able to pick her up. And it's not like you can clean. I mean, if you compared to, let's say a ball python, where I can reach in with one hand and pull the snake out with one hand and easily move the snake over there with one hand versus having to use my entire body and to lift part of the snake. I
0: mean, you're literally just, yeah. You, you can hold your ball python you can dump the tub of cocoa block you can wipe it down you can put cocoa block all while you're holding this one snake and then put it back in and uh with with a retick it's definitely not I and mean, it probably
2: won't like move that. that whole time <laughs> exactly <laughs> a, re- a retick like yeah you're you're taking it out you're you're trying to put it away in another tub you're trying to wrangle it as you're trying to close the lid it's 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 a rodeo
3: <laughs> yeah it's a rodeo is a good word you're wrangling it's, it's even a, a snake this size which is the smallest we yeah. took in the room is one hand you can kind of pull it off but it's not as easy like a ball python's going to stay a little rolled tire many times this snake is going to be a curious wandering rope
2: yeah but i mean when you when you take them around people and they get that socialization oh we lost lucas for a second but uh they do pretty well like my my oldest snake the snake i trust the most uh, i bring her out to expos twice a year and she hangs out with kids all day she hangs out with people and she's being thrown around and you know by the end of the day she's kind of doing what your snake is doing just chilling just less movement and you know it, they can become trustworthy you just have to really put the time and effort behind it i mean being able to raise these things from hatchling to adult really, you know, tells you a lot about your individual animals.
0: Yeah. Which is, I think it even speaks greater volume on, on the keeper because I can't tell you how many times I'll inquire about like an adult animal and I'm like, Oh, who produced it? And they'll tell me and they'll tell me, yeah, I got it from so-and-so. And then I start tracing back just to see. And, you have a nine-year-old retake that's touched five people's hands already. And it's like, no one has owned this retake for more than two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was going back to what Brian, you were saying earlier, just like people just don't want to deal with certain retakes and they pass them on, they get passed on and passed on. Mm. I will say, and I, I've
3: mentioned to at least one of you at, at, at one point that, that, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, which I, which I like to be as much as possible, I think even this week, even this week, I contemplate selling or, or finding different homes for these snakes. And I'm not saying that's everybody or how everybody feels, but just me personally, if I'm being honest, I I, I think about it and it happens more often than, than I'd care to admit, where I'm like, you know, be a lot easier <laughs> on my life. And with my my time now busy i am with you know kids and, and the whole gamut uh if i didn't have to care for all these snakes <laughs> it would be easier and i it go, runs through my brain when i think about it
2: all the that's... snakes are just the retics?
0: So, I, i'm curious to know i think that's a good question
2: what's that all Nathan? the snakes are just the retics
3: just the big retics
2: okay fair enough so you would keep the scrubs around even at that point
3: yeah scrubs are easy
2: okay so they're not i mean i don't have experience with scrubs so they're oh, not well, like peeing on you is or like not peeing on you but peeing as much cage maintenance is is a little different
3: it's yeah it's a bit different i mean nothing nothing seems to pee quite as much as a reason well colubrid different colubrids might yeah uh, pee as much as as re- mainland retake but colubrid versus a mainland is a little yeah. different maintenance um yeah no scrub python i mean i've got merauke they're not too big nothing compared to a retake they're similar in their athleticism that's what makes them very attractive is is how athletic they are and how i mean when you see a snake stretch half of its body out in thin air and do a perfect plank it's pretty impressive you're just like mm-hmm. wow that's 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 amazing. Um. But that said, as much as I've admitted how much I think about that, I've not sold a single one. All the retics that I've acquired in the time that I've been keeping them, I have them all. Even the one that I rescued from this kid in in a park. I still have that snake too. That's that's just me.
2: I am just He he just showed up in a park around you?
3: Well, it, the funny thing was it was a park How, how far was up. the park from you? The park was literally Okay three houses from where I grew up, but that's not where I lived. He just, he got hold of me after I had a YouTube channel. He's looking to, and he just mentioned, oh, I'm, I'm in Livermore. I was like, you're in Livermore? I was like, I grew up in Livermore. That, and it was just kind of weird connection there. But yeah, we met at the park that I grew up at to do this exchange of the snake that he didn't want to keep because it was too defensive for his taste. A kid that had tricked his mom into letting him get this snake. And it was just a baby, super dwarf, mind you but he couldn't handle it and
2: he's there with his mom. I had the same thing happen locally as far as just someone trying to get rid of a snake that was too defensive for him.
0: I I think we wouldn't do uh, our list, our listeners justice if we didn't talk about what is it about the retics that makes you consider rehoming them.
3: It's work. like It's just the it's just the sheer amount of effort, physical effort it takes to clean one, mainland retic cage i won't say the same of a super dwarf to be fair and that i could easily see somebody who's very biased misconstrue this is he's oh, friends with garrett harrell that's why you're saying it's okay with super dwarves. you just want to push his market and make him bigger and he's doing all right already why you got No, anyway i'm being super cynical but it's it's different that super dwarf <laughs> reticulated python i can clean Almost like very closely, the maintenance and the effort that goes into the maintenance as far as just a simple cleaning, you know, moving the snake out of their enclosure and putting it back in after cleaning is not too far off from a ball python as far as physical effort exerted. It simply comes down to the amount of physical effort that's needed to exert to move a hundred pound plus snake in and out of their enclosure. Simple as that. If you wake up in the morning, you're feeling a little stiff, and you feel like you need to warm up your core first and maybe do some yoga to be able to move a snake without permanently harming you, not permanently, but, but you know, like tweaking your back for a couple of weeks, that's different. That's, that's it's that simple. It's, for me, it's simply about how much actual effort is needed, physical effort it takes to clean one. I can, I can clean my super dwarfs or any other smaller snakes enclosure in minutes, you know, where, where even in, in these enclosures here, which I would argue that the eight by three foot enclosure for that 16 foot retick, it works for that snake. It could be bigger, definitely couldn't be smaller. Um, And that takes way more time because you got to get the snake out. You got to kind of reach in and, and clean like these, these four, I've got, a, you know, one tegu in one level and then four, uh, mainlands in the other four cages and it takes me about the same amount of time to clean those four eight by three enclosures as it does the rest of the 65 snakes in this room like that's that's kind of how i break up my cleaning one day for those four and then another day for the rest of the room
1: but that's now, just the, the facts uh
2: with with those enclosures you have behind you uh correct me if i'm wrong but they're those serpentine design right with the Mm -hmm. removable uh insert that you can Mm -hmm. do from the outside yeah do you ever utilize that while cleaning
3: oh yeah absolutely we've been talking about how much effort it is to clean right yeah if you can clean one side i
2: mean especially with these big snakes
3: yeah um that's it's, I utilize it as often as possible when when just cleaning. Yeah, if the snake's hanging out on one side and it seems that's easy really cool. to just sli- slip it. The convenient thing is if the snake defecates and urinates all over one side of the enclosure and moves to the other side to get away from it, that's the, that's the ideal scenario. Just slip that little divider in there, clean that one side, take the divider back out. You don't have to transport the snake, which, again, as I mentioned... Yeah is the hardest part about keeping them is the physical exertion it takes to maneuver them from enclosure to enclosure during cleaning. The rest of it, I mean, I've been I've been very negative about this so far because I'm just trying to be realistic. Like you're asking me about what it, what is it that you kinda asked me about the negative sides of it. And that's that's it. Um I love having a big snake out in enclosure. I love watching them climb up the tree and just interacting with them. It's like a chihuahua versus a golden retriever, as far as you know, size of a snake. It's Like all these other little snakes, you gotta watch out for where you're stepping. You know, comparatively, if you accidentally step on a retake, you're gonna feel bad. I I would, but it's gonna be like, what was that? Did something touch me? <laughs> and you can kind of wrestle with them. You can roll around <laughs> with them, and you can like play games with them. If you raise them from babies like you do, and they get them as docile as these do, I mean, you can just it's fun. And you' just like you literally wrestle with your snake and roll around on the ground with it and like just have a ball and and not worry about rolling over on it and killing it. <laughs> that, like, that's not gonna happen. You could you could slip and fall and land with your butt on its head and it's not gonna be a good time for that snake, but it's not gonna die. It's gonna be like, that sucks. Why'd you fall on my head with your butt, full, full body weight, all, all 180 pounds? You landed on my head? Ouch! <laughs> Don't do it again, please. But not dead. <laughs> and I've never done that to you. I've never fallen with my butt
0: directly on a snake. Anyway. Time will tell. How how are they with your kids? Um, mostly good, as as you saw. Everyone has his. Yeah, everyone has this, like, mindset of, of you know, uh, people that that are not very educated and, and ignorant to the retake world. They're, they're, you know, I can't tell you how many people, like, tell my wife, like, you have, what, you have that many? You're not scared your snake's going to eat your baby? Well, listen, that, and it's like, yeah. Okay. They're capable of it. They they can
3: eat something that size. And as we mentioned before, this, my most docile snake, the feeding response incredible you know retic related pythons feed response like as much as they're aware and are fairly observant snakes when it comes to feeding time they're pretty retarded like i don't know if you've ever seen a a snake like a reticulated python i've seen plenty of examples of lots of different retakes this one no no um spaced on the word for a second no exception with this snake most docile snake here First thing I do when they open the enclosure and, and do a little hook tap is she tries to eat the hook. So their feeding response is ridiculous. They are capable of swallowing a small human when when they're big. A big a big mainland reticulated python can swallow a human. So that is reality. Uh it can happen, yes. If you're if you're reckless, if you don't pay attention, if you don't have a solid enclosure that can keep them inside. Um it's not outside of the realm of reality. So it's something to be, to consider, you know, a, a ball python's not capable of eating a human any size period. It's not, it's not physically possible.
2: So it's not what I've heard. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So moving on from some of the, wait, some of the negative stuff, maybe with retics, I, I can go negative all day, uh, which
3: is, is not usually my MO, but I, I feel like you guys want me to a little bit. Maybe we maybe no, I'll not whittle at down the market a little bit.
2: <laughs> no, no, not at all. We just want realistic. While you're at it, only buy from us. So, I mean, what what highs have you had? I mean, raising these animals and what's kept, ultimately kept them with you? Because I mean, you may think of selling them day to day, but they're still with you. You're still loving on them like you are with, I mean, all of your snakes. But, I mean. It's obvious retics have a special place in your heart.
3: Yeah, they, when it comes to snakes, to find the personality in a snake is a bit of a, a skill. I would say skill would be one word. Acquired taste would be another way to look at it. Or just a certain level of observation to pull out the differences between a snake and I'm and I'm saying this for keeping in mind the people who couldn't tell the difference between any species of snake and a snake is just a snake you know I'm I'm, I'm taking that level of extreme on that end where you you couldn't tell the difference between a ball Python or a reticulated Python you don't even know that there are different types of pythons mm-hmm. to the level of being able to They're all danger yes yeah, to, to be able to t- take it to the level of this reticulated python has a much different personality, quote unquote, than this other reticulated python. When it comes to snake to snake, the biggest difference that I've seen between species uh, has been with reticulated pythons, where, where individuals seem to be more individual in their little quirks and their little personalities than any other species of snake that I've experienced. Whether that's, you know, the next closest I would say would be the indigo snakes. You know, my the two indigo snakes I had at one point now one, they were so different there from each other. Um, whether that's up to them being male and female or being the only two that I had of that species. Again, reticulated pythons. This snake I, I call one of the most do, the most docile in the room, which seems crazy to say because I have another snake up there named Hilo Hilo. I have too many animals. And children at this point that fit into that. Halo, Halo, Eli. I mix them up all the time. Um, Halo is could also possibly hold most docile snake in the room status. She's a lot bigger. And she did once, when she was small, defensively strike towards me. The one day that I let her stay out of the enclosure for like a couple hours and just roam the room until she found her comfort zone. And I went and bothered her from that comfort zone that she'd been sitting in for two hours. She, she struck like, what are you doing? What's happening? And that's it in her Mm -hmm. entire life. And she's been a lot like this, just bigger, but still, but, and they look a lot alike too. They're both lavender and they, they both have a very similar color scheme and pattern, but they're different. They have different personalities. There's some different little things that they do that set them apart from each other. And that's something, and the same thing with my Phantom Sunfire there, Patsy LaRue she does some certain little things my big purple albino here betsy ross definitely sets herself apart with some of her movements like they're I, I could put my hands blindly on any of these snakes and just based on the way that their body reacts i could tell you which snake it is i couldn't do that with any other species in this room if you I'm were here. if you were to assign a personality if you were assign, to assign yeah a personality to any snake it's easiest to do it to reticulate a Python. And that's why they've stayed here. I think that's why despite as many times as I've thought it'd be a lot easier to sell these snakes that are not bringing in any income for the family. And they're just here eating food and just being pets. You know, that's, that's it. That's it right there. It's like, but I can't, I can't just sell this snake because they're
0: inconvenient. This is a family member. I was going to ask you if retics, and we can even specify, and you can go into detail if, if you think super dwarves or dwarves or mainlands, but what are your thoughts on retics being good pets? Because it seems like the reason why that you've held on to them is because you consider good them pets. members of the of the family. yeah. yeah. Which
3: is different because I do have a dog now, which I haven't had one for over a decade. And now we do. They're much different. The dog I would consider very quickly became much more part of the family than the snakes because he's with us all. He sleeps in the bed. Mm -hmm. None of the snakes sleep in the bed. None of the snakes, you know, are just cruising around my front yard and come when I call them snap of a finger and all that stuff. So it's different in in that respect. Um, Where where they very differ from a dog is that it's not as easy to see the appreciation they might have for you or whether at all they actually do have any appreciation for you whatsoever. Dog is obvious. Dogs like you're home. You've been gone so long. I really wanted to see you and now you're here. Let's let's hang out. Let's be friends forever, please. You don't get that from a snake. That doesn't that doesn't come back from a snake. I don't care. You have to have a certain level of forgive me if you're at this point but there's a certain I don't know. Uh you've got a mental condition if you can pick that up from a snake. At the same level that you get it from a dog, you have to be on a very certain <laughs> level. Uh, but I mean that they're, they're and they're different. You know, you keep them in an enclosure, and it's I don't know. Yeah, they they're they're sure they're a great pet.
2: Um, they're a great per- pet for the the right person, and yeah, they're a great pet for the right person. Cliche that as that is with retics, that could be said for dogs too. Uh, yeah. Dogs oh no, too, totally. Though. I, w- I would love a dog, but in, in my situation right now, it's not the smartest idea. You know, keeping the snakes is a little bit easier. Keeping a couple cats, it's, you know, it's manageable. But a dog, I have to be there for it all the time. I have to make accommodations when I'm out of town. And, you know, my, my budget doesn't always accommodate for that. So you, you always have to keep in mind what's, what's practical to keep.
3: Yeah. Oh, well on that, on, on that note, you know, I'm, I'm thinking purely from like, what do you get back from the animal emotionally? That's when I, when I I went pet, cause I'm a new, Oh yeah. A, a recent dog owner again. So that's fresh and very fresh in my mind. I mean, Hilo is not even eight months old yet. Mm-hmm. So Hilo the dog, not Halo the snake. Um, and not Eli the son. The snakes are the most low maintenance, and I tell us to like all parents who are like on the fence about getting their kids a pet snake. They're like, Oh, but then we have to, you know, care for it, which is true. But it's just a little bit of reason, you know, the snakes require so much less than a dog, as you know, so much less like world, like universe is less maintenance and care. They, they eat. I mean, I feed my mainland's like five times a year and that's plenty for them. Plenty, plenty and i make sure they have fresh water I make sure they have the temperatures they need i get them out for exercise which is the biggest maintenance part you know as as we've discussed getting them out of the enclosure is the biggest maintenance um but that's it you know they don't they don't need to be kenneled if you're going away for a week you just got to make sure they have water and you got to like i i re- recommend having you know, a camera system so you can maintain eyes on them at all the time or have somebody come by to check on them but it's not like you need somebody to come over and take them out for yep. a walk. Like the maintenance is very low. I'd say the, the next lower tier on maintenance level for pet would be a plant.
2: E- even That's a plant true. sometimes is harder for me. So <laughs> I'll take the snakes. A plant, plant any day. might need more water uh, depending
3: on the conditions. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you can leave them. You can easily leave them for a week you know i i have a couple people if these snakes are survivors. need be yeah real need be i have one person i can call over but if for the most part my sister comes in takes care of the cats feeds them and then i just expect a big cleaning day when i get back from uh vacation every time
3: yeah and there's there's could be an argument made that they need more maintenance than that and you need to interact with them more but there's there's a fair amount of...
2: Oh, of course, of course. That's just like on the rare occasion you're going out of town.
3: Yeah. I was just thinking about the um, anthropomorphism that does exist in in some places in the reptile keeping world. And that's a thing. And it's it's a matter of opinion for the most part, I'd say. I mean, you can you can get science involved and talk about what parts of the brain a reptile has that that or what parts of the brain that humans and mammals have that reptiles don't. You, you can talk about that. You could talk about how it doesn't matter if, if it's a plant or an animal that you know any amount of love is going to be well-received by whatever you're caring for and whatever it takes to give that amount of love. Um, when, I, when I think about these things, I, I pull from all sides of the spectrum. I think about everybody that I've ever listened to exert any type of opinion. So I try to pull from a spectrum of opinions when I'm thinking about these things, um, which is a blessing and a curse, let me tell you. Sometimes I just want to shut it all up and be like, listen, I know what I'm talking about. I don't want to hear your opinion on what you think is right or wrong because it's just your opinion. Um, but it's still in there and I still think about it. You know, the, the opinion of maybe you should treat your pet snake as lovingly as your dog and and bring it with you everywhere and take it on walks and not do that. Or you should leave it alone in a dark hole where you would find any other snake in the wild um, and where they're living their happiest life tucked away from society or light <laughs> um you know those are the spectrums those are the spectrums you got to consider you know because you're gonna if you're gonna publicly keep an animal like this like i do those are all the things that people are gonna sh- uh, throw at you leave it alone give it some give it, give it some entertainment
0: <laughs> sorry no i a hundred percent i think it comes from <clears throat> different backgrounds and and uh philosophies on ways to keep them i definitely uh you you made a comment about like not they're not gonna be that puppy like you know greeting you at the door personality type of thing and i I do see often with like even as uh even with how intelligent retakes are there is the tendency that people personify them more than really that they're 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 I'm not trying to i gave say them this all names sound like a, say it however you like a jerk but they so they they it seems like they give them too much credit on what they give back to us but I think you hit the nail on the head you mentioned like you uh, they will give back in the way that they give back depending on how much we give them you know if we give them everything that we have to care for them to love them to to treat them um like a pet even for breeders that have 20 30 40. Animals. The more you interact, and the more you give them, the more you are going to receive from them. I just don't. A lot of people like to to talk about their. Oh, they look at me and they wink at me and they flick their tongue two times and I know it's telling me that they like me and it's like. Uh, I mean, I I okay? would I would say that, sure. I mean, you're on once you're
3: interacting with an animal like this. I mean, scientifically speaking, their brains are only capable of flight fight, survive, eat, you know, like, like, like that's it. But once you get beyond that, once you, once, once I have my hand like this and this snake is like, we're here, we're together. I'm not fighting or flighting. I'm just hanging out with you. I've, we've been, I know your smell. I we've done this a lot. I know the, and the smell is a huge part, right? Snakes sense of smell is right on par with the dogs, like 600 times better than we can only imagine the, the things that you can pick up through scent, as as an animal like this versus what we can i mean we already know our, our sense of smell is like the strongest trigger for memory right we smell something and like we're transported back to this thing that we forgot as a child or something imagine having 600 times that on that on that level of mm. perception with something like a snake who yes doesn't have the cognitive ability that we do with the imagination ability to dream and, and feel love and and care on that type of level but Imagine having that level of scent and being something that prim- primarily is, has lived to fight or flight. And now you're smelling and interacting with this thing that is completely different with you. And you just look look at this snake. I mean, if, if you're just listening to this podcast right now, then this snake that I've been sitting here with is just dead on staring me in the face. We're, we're face to face loving him. I'm looking back at this snake this snake is not trying to run is not thinking about biting my face or anything like that it's just like wow how long are we going to do this and what is happening we're, we're like are, we're, we've been good we've been good for years now we've been hanging out I've known the scent of this human and his offspring for all pretty much my entire existence and and you see this as i'm talking now that i'm yeah, talking and this snake has stopped are... moving right this snake has been moving the entire time and now that i'm directly addressing yeah. the no, snake it's, it's, staring it's staring at, at me and eyes. it has stopped moving completely and i'm not restraining and i'm just letting it sit on my hand and she's looking at me like okay you're addressing me now uh, right this is this is that <laughs> i'm i'm now ascending that level of insanity that i uh alluded to earlier of somebody uh, attributing to somebody else that wasn't me right Like somebody else who's a crazy person might talk to their snake <laughs> whereas uh hey, i might like, be okay, guilty from time to time, to time, time
2: but i don't take it seriously <laughs> <laughs> oh i
0: talk to them all the time and it, but, <laughs> but when i talk to them I, I walk in my snake garage and i'm like you better be in a good freaking mood today right <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have a good
2: day today. Yeah. Don't make me run around the garage for you. Lucas heard me talking to one of my snakes earlier. Wasn't
3: <laughs> Yeah, you know. I had, during feed, yeah, time. I, had, I, had I, re- I had to re I had to
2: refeed most. her three times. She always, for some reason, I have this one snake that. Come feeding time, she has the greatest food response, but if you accidentally step foot in the room before she starts swallowing that meal, she needs to be refed. Her focus is mm. right back on you or whatever's happening in the room. So Lucas and got a, a, a good taste of that. Yep, so getting that Dude, food that, back out of her opinion. cage while getting her focus off me.
3: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying those, imagine those trying to feed. Times. If you guys... I reticulated pythons have one of the most insane <laughs> feeding responses ever ball pythons will i don't know what i don't know what it is you know what it takes to make them decide that they're not going to eat but it's a lot less than a retake um and I, i've done the same thing Fe- that feeding time i'm trying to get one of these snakes to eat for the first time and i'm getting super frustrated just like oh my god why won't you just eat not saying that out loud but just thinking it like I can't believe, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to give you food and you're not going to even be interested, let alone strike at it or even, you're going to run away from it. This is how you're going to live. And then that then then <laughs> one time I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to just try and I'm going to talk through this with this snake. I'm mean, going to be like, listen, I know you're scared. <laughs> I promise I'm here to try and keep you alive. You need to eat this rat so that you can live. You, I know you've never eaten anything before, but if you don't eat this and get the nutrients that it's going to bring into your body... You're gonna die. You need to eat. You need to start eating, or it's not gonna happen. (laughs) And call me crazy. I don't care. It worked. The talking made a difference. The addressing, you know, and putting that energy out there. Whether it's I don't know. I don't know what it is. Again, you can just call me crazy. I I would call myself crazy. I'm listening to myself talk right now, thinking you sound like a crazy person. But whatever. I've had way too much. Hey, I had to
2: publicly shame my snake with Lucas watching. So we all do our thing.
0: No, 100%. And I mean, and, and the and the great thing about 99.9% of retics is when you have a ball python that doesn't eat, guess who's going to eat it? <laughs> guess who's going to eat the food that the ball python didn't eat? Yeah. It's your retic. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> or indigo snake or monitor lizard or...
2: Yeah. King snake, yeah. The list goes on.
0: The list goes on. So... I, I want to I hear from you, someone who has kept retics for a good while and is a snake whisperer with this beautiful lavender that you have on camera. For those of you that are just listening, he is um, dancing with it right now. Um, what what advice do you have for new keepers that have retics or that want retics, um, whether it's Superdorf, Dorf, Mainland, but through your learning experience and you keeping them, what what's your advice for new keepers? Now,
3: I'm going to want to, I'm going to want to ask the distinct difference between, are we talking,
0: we're talking about retakes specifically? Yeah. For people that are interested and want to get into retakes or that just bought a retake and they're new. Okay. So are we talking now? I'm going to ask one up. more question before I answer yours. Are we talking specifically
3: about a mainland retick or a super dwarf, a,
0: a legitimate super dwarf retake? If if that answer that I provide you is part of your answer on what to recommend and give advice, I would just say let's cover it Okay, all. So specifically for retics,
3: mainland versus super dwarf, not, not addressing snake or pet, any kind. There's all kinds of questions to ask yourself there before you get any kind of pet whatsoever, whatever kind of animal it is. But if it's a mainland retic, you need to ask yourself – if you are in physical condition and plan to be in that se- in in that level of physical condition to be able to maintain that animal for 20. So Lucas is pointing himself, oh, sorry, Nathan's pointing himself and shaking no. He's saying he's not, but he's still capable. So, you know, that's a good argument, you know, because my, my main argument is if you're in physical condition to be able to work with these animals, you know. And I'm thinking from my own perspective and how much energy it takes to move them around but then i as i'm saying that and as as Nathan is pointing at himself shaking his head that he's not in that condition and also thinking about my buddy ben who you know um spina bifida and he keeps mainland's and he's he's able to do it it's work oh he, damn. he's in a wel- wheelchair but he you know he just has low oh. cages and he makes it. i've been to his house i've watched him do it i've done a video with him he he can do it so
2: i need to look at this video
3: that's, that's another thing to, uh, it's on triple B TV. It's from, we called Nathan cripple Nate. It's from several years back, but yeah, he, he's spina bifida and keeps mainland retics successfully. So
2: that's inspiring.
3: Yeah. There's always for a hole like me for, you know, sure. there's that, there's always an exception, there's always an exception. You know, he, um, he, he is, he's an exception, um, and those exist he has a a deep love but if if you're just regardless of if it's a mainland or super dwarf or any snake for that matter this is not an animal that is going to greet you tail wagging licking your face pouring out of unconditional affection when you get home from work every day this is animals going to be sitting at you and for all you know in your limited level of uh you know depending on your your level of how much attention you pay or how observational you are, you know, just cold, blooded eyes, just staring at you unblinkingly. Um, are you going to care for that thing for decades? Are you going to, do you have the capacity to maintain a level of care for that animal? Are you dedicated to spend a large portion of your human life on this planet caring for that animal or, or are five years going to pass? And you're going to be like, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm done. I need, I'm going to rehome it or 10 years pass and I'm, I'm done. I got to rehome it 15 years past, 20 years pass. They live for a long time. Um, compared to, I don't know, a cockroach. So that's the question you got to ask yourself. Are you dedicated? Are you willing to care for that animal for the span of its life, which is long?
0: Yeah, I was going to say like even if you decide and let's say you you commit, right? Like let's say you're like, yeah, I'm committed. And then stuff comes up and you happen to say, you know what, I'm going to rehome this animal. I don't I don't think that's a negative thing if people have the awareness that the quality of their life of their animal is subthreshold of what what, you know, uh, uh, the quality of life of that animal should be just rehome responsibly don't rehome to the first person that says sure yeah. but again that's a, sure that's that, a different uh, if you do rehome that,
3: but they get that's still a different level of i mean and, and that's the thing that's different with these animals like think about how easily someone is willing to rehome a snake versus their dog oh a 100% I mean, that, that might be purely anecdotal without a doubt That's not that's not based in science what i'm saying that's purely emotional but maybe based in reality as far as what actually
0: happens yeah. Yeah. If you're going to rehome, just rehome responsibly. Don't just dump it. Don't give it to the first person willing. But at the end of the day, I hear what you're saying, Brian, 100%. And I agree. Make the commitment if you're going to do it, especially if you're getting into a pet and you're, you're wanting to keep retics, keep them, you know, because you love them and have a passion, you want to work with them. Yeah. What, what else you got for us, Brian, as far as helping so, new keepers?
2: So I have something else that I kind of want to circle back on that I think Brian will be able to help us out on a lot that us as keepers, Lucas, haven't had the experience with yet. Um, Brian, I know you've had some medical issues come up with. Uh, the retics over the years, stuff that you've taken the snakes to the vet over and had some uh, procedures done. Could you talk about just some of your medical experiences with keeping just snakes in general? I know you've had retics involved in that, but just, you know, uh, what to expect when taking your snake to the vet, you know, that that kind of thing.
3: Well, I mean, one thing to maybe expect is that depending on who your vet is they might know less about snakes than you even though they went to school for it. you know they've got a book like the one time i remember one of the first experiences at a vet with my snake like the doctor going and pulling out this book to figure out this thing that i already knew now i'm not going to yeah dredge up exactly what that was but i just remember thinking you know, sitting there thinking you need to look at a book for this like i i know i know this part well, you're the doctor and I, and you're looking at a book for it um so there's that level you know there's finding a good vet finding a vet who is experienced with reptiles and i would say keeps reptiles themselves and they're not just doing it as a side thing for their uh, dog or cat clinic you know um
2: oh absolutely
3: that's that's one thing and then even even somebody who's a little more specialized and does see Um, reptiles, you know, it's not as common, not it's far, far from the veterinary care that's available for dogs and cats and even birds for that matter. Um, some of my snakes I've had to take to Davis here in California, which is like a veterinary school. That's like one of their specialties is that school is like a lot of people that want to be vets go to Davis, UC Davis for, um, veterinary school because they're, they're kind of high end on their level. And I've brought snakes there to get things handled that are, you know, exotic vet care in the area couldn't handle. And we're like, we got to, this is above my pay grade and we're going to have to, you know, send you to the other side of the state. Uh, So there's that, you know, thinking about the fact that good, knowledgeable, quality reptile care is not as available as your standard veterinary care, even if. claim to be or even if they offer that service anytime you've got some kind of infection or something you want to this is something that i think a lot of keepers know but you want to you want to get a culture and not just you know maybe get some broad spectrum antibiotics right off the bat but if your vet doesn't tell you that you need to get a culture to find out what to to figure out what kind of medication to throw at any kind of infection that's not the vet that that vet should be telling you we need to get a culture done red flag if they don't tell you that you need a culture to figure out what antibiotics or what what kind of medicine to throw at any kind of infection i don't know i would i would seek a second that's just not a
2: medical professional I mean, yeah. as someone who's gone through infection, I mean, you have to be changing medication based off how your body's reacting. And, you know, it, it's not one one product fix all kind of a thing, So right. especially when dealing with infection. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think um, that's but huge. it
3: can get expensive. It can get depending on where you're at. I mean, I'm in California, which if, you know, you're anywhere else in the state, maybe New York is an exception at this point, uh, but it's expensive here and vet care is no no different but i i remember being mind blown at some of the prices people were paying to get you know cultures done at their vets somewhere in the midwest i was like oh man i wish i only had to pay that much for a culture free well, that sounds yeah, you know like these different things i've heard but <laughs> i've spent i've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on vet care for a single animal so it can it can go there you know it it just depends on what you're willing to do and the funny thing is that snake that I'm talking about UC Davis and I was going to pull that snake down to hang out with me instead of this snake today uh for this podcast and as I as I went to go pull him out the thing that I brought him for there in the first place is probably his his eye has is swelled swollen I was like oh I'm not going to pull him out right now It, it just today fate timing whatever you want to call it that was what i took him in for the first place you know it ended up they ended up having to move one of his salivary glands but that was the initial start of the issues with that snake was a swollen eye and his eyes swollen right now and that kind of my heart sank yeah, I when i remember i'll tell you what dude my my heart just and this is also a snake that is you know this is the level of of care i guess that Never mind. I'm not. I'm not going to talk about it.
2: What's his name again? Junior. Junior. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Junior. Junior has even a special place in my heart. I mean, the way you document stuff on your YouTube channel, and how you took everyone along with some of his medical procedures. That you know, I, I root for Junior every day. I'm just glad that he's still around. It sucks to hear that. You know. It sounds like that issue is popping up a little bit but hopefully yeah. it's something and, you're a little bit more prepared for and you know
3: yeah and it'll hopefully just go right back down with a one of the funny things I've ever heard people say in forums when I was first getting into keeping red takes one of the the go-to hobbyist throwouts or uh, was just feed it a big meal and it'll, you know, it'll probably fix itself, which there, you know, it, it sounds, sounds kind of stupid. You know, that sounds like total bro science, but man, there's something
0: to it. It, worked, there's man. Something <laughs> it to works. It Sometimes.
3: Just give it a really big meal. <laughs> <laughs> Let it shed. Obviously you don't want to do that on a regular basis because <laughs> overfeeding these snakes is definitely a thing. That's why I mentioned my yeah. big mainlands. I feed them five times a year. Um, but it's generally a big meal and that keeps them good. That's the way these snakes are meant to, that's the way they've processed food, you know, for a long time. They don't, Yeah. for a lot of people, I, that's another thing. I mean, if you're a beginning keeper, that's something we should, de- we've definitely talked about some of the more, Oh, I, I, I've I, chosen to speak more on the very subtle things about keeping snakes and retics in particular, but some of the more basic common knowledge is something I should have mentioned a long time ago is that a lot of people can't understand how little, these snakes need to eat or how few and far between time you know how much time can be spaced between meals and how that's better for us humans again with the anthropomorphizing, anthropomorphizing i'm not gonna try and say it again we were like a, a whole day without food yeah that's extreme for a retake a day without food is like yeah that's like like you know 10 minutes has gone by in perspective wise these snakes in the wild, go with, for a year without eating. You know, take down a big deer and like go crawl off somewhere. And and snakes just have such slow metabolism compared to warm-blooded creatures. Sometimes people think, like, oh, it needs to eat. Oh, it hasn't eaten for two weeks. It's like, so, tell me when it hasn't eaten for two years. That's a problem. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. depending on how much reserves I, it I, had.
2: <laughs> tell me when I, it starts I, losing muscle. I've talked muscle. to.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I've talked to keepers in Europe and it, it it vastly like the way that they feed their their mainlands and even their door stuff um is so much drastically different than we do here. I mean, even here people will feed, you know, a, a big meal every three to four weeks. Um, but but man, most of the people that I know that have the really big snakes over in um Europe that I've talked to, it's that five meals a year. They're they're feeding it a massive meal. And what's crazy is that you think like, oh, a massive meal, only five times, you know, you're feeding not even every other month. It's, it's not going to grow. But they actually, from what I've been told, they grow more and they grow healthier when you provide them those huge meals and then give their body six weeks. Yeah seven weeks to digest, break down, metabolize, get active again, look for food again. Um, I think what we just run into a lot here is we've talked about their feeding responses being fun for like a better word. And I think it's just convenient for us to be like, man, I need to clean this cage. Let me give them a meal real quick and I'll do it tomorrow. Mm.
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They don't need to eat nearly as often as they're fed often. Uh, they're not built for it. Their body, I mean if you look at the research that like Dr. Warren Booth did and uh, the amount of physiological change that their organs go through when they're digesting is insane. Like how how much their organs enlarge, like their heart doubles in size. Like a lot of their organs like, they go through this drastic digestion process which is very stressful on their body for lack of a better word. Um, And they need space in between that like if you keep feeding them if you feed them every week their body never gets a chance to decompress literally from that and you shorten their lifespan exponentially i mean or whatever the reverse of exponential is you you just shorten it you know you can take a snake that's going to live for a long time and, and it'll have all these crazy fat reserves around its heart and just becomes obese and unhealthy like anything else that overeats and yeah yeah, it's just uh, snakes can do it a lot quicker because of how slow their metabolism is. Think, I guess the easy way to think about it is they're, they're cold-blooded or, you know, what's the official word for cold-blooded? Ectothermic. So they don't burn calories to maintain body heat. So they don't need... All that fuel like we do because we're constantly burning calories just to maintain body temperature all of us mammals and warm blooded creatures that's the big difference that's the number one difference is why aside from the physiological changes they go through with our organs is the fact that they just don't need to burn calories to maintain their body temperature they rely on external temperature to maintain that so they they don't need all those calories you know um, as often but you want to you want your snake to live a long healthy life don't feed it
0: as often as you think you should <laughs> <laughs> what and, and the the crazy part is that they don't need to but they can still do it which is really cool i've noticed on switching to ambient you know the ambient to my room temp will be like 83 degrees and i'll feed them a big meal and then i'll tempt them the next day and my my room temp you know, no no external heat. I'm running ambient and the root temp is eighty three and I'll temp their body with a temp gun and their body's reading eighty eight.
2: Mm,
3: because of the metabolic processes and that are taking place. It's
0: Yeah, yeah. They're, they're it's pretty crazy how they how they could do that. They're pretty awesome animals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've been uh
3: they've now, been doing do you this offered life thing for a life.
2: varied diet.
3: I have. Um I've done, you know, different rodents and uh, and bird and that when it comes to like the indigo snakes i i do feed snakes and um, yeah but with the retake specifically yeah um bird and and different road, you know rabbit rat um bird meat quail or chicken pigeons
0: from outside or from what ah uh, okay
3: what from outside i was gonna say birds from outside <laughs> or <laughs> yeah bird... i just I, I i shoot um bald <laughs> eagles and drag them in here and uh you know Humanely, oh, humanely sourced uh... <laughs> oh,
2: I thought you finally offered oh. Junior one of the, the, the chickens but maybe not.
3: Well, we did have a raccoon. I'm joking about the bald eagles, obviously, man. Um, the... <laughs> <laughs> gonna get us hunted down by the feds. Yeah, yeah, right. Dude, I, dude when I see a bald eagle, I like... I salute. <laughs> I stand <our> attention and... <laughs> um, the... the uh chickens got ransacked one evening by some raccoons and we had a couple that were you know just off for whatever reason raccoons are just as brutal as humans in some respects they to kill something and not even utilize it um and they did that with some of our chickens so they're just you know there's a couple dead not eaten just laying in there and, and one that was like still hanging on to life barely and the entire family agreed that we should feed them to the snakes and not just not waste them so um yeah we fed some chickens from right here on cusco farm
2: that's awesome such is life so i mean at least they were utilized effectively and i mean didn't go to waste totally
0: how 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 do you keep them in terms of husbandry, humidity, temperatures, all that stuff versus your your ball pythons and the other species of snakes that you keep? Like, what do you run your temps, your humidity? What what are some things about husbandry that are are different about retakes or even the same from your other snakes?
3: You know, it's not too much different, honestly. Um, when it comes to specific temperatures or humidity levels, I mean, I keep the whole room at about fifty five percent to 60 percent and the temperature gradients are about a a 10 degree flux you know from like the, the ambient temperature in the room never gets below you know 75 or so and the hot spot for basically every snake in this room is about 88 degrees maybe a little hotter for a couple of colubrids just in case um but it's basically around that you know i mean (laughs)
0: <laughs> super simple do you notice with your retakes that some of them like cooler temps some of them like hotter temps like do or are all your retakes across the board dialed in on your thermostat oh, same
3: time when they when they're digesting food they want the hotter temps um they definitely move i've got a camera set up over here a security camera which i can scroll scrub through the footage like weeks at a time and see what they do you know morning to night and
0: you're not crazy,
3: <laughs> and I'm not crazy. Yeah, that's the podcast is done. <laughs> we we finally figured it out, um, <laughs> and yeah, no, they they hang out on the warm side when they're digesting, and um, hang out on the cool side if they if they want to be a little cool. Um, if there's food in the room, they go nuts, and that's that's about it. I mean yeah I don't know I can't get much more elaborate than that it's it's pretty much
0: simple as that i noticed with some of my retakes like when I was keeping them on a gradient and using panels or heat tape i noticed like some of my like my my Coyote female if i had her hot spot hotter than like eighty seven constant pusher mm. whereas like if i kept my if i kept uh you know if if i my wild caught Kalatoa male that I had, um, if I didn't have his hot spot at ninety, um, he would sometimes regurgitate a meal mm. if it wasn't like hot enough. Okay. Um, so yeah, I I I saw some individual unique differences with like where they wanted their hot spot, and that's where I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going ambient. Everyone gets the same shit.
3: <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'd say that's a good point. I didn't really think about that with the pushing aspect. I mean, I think if you do have a snake that's pushing, I know another one of those things that I would hear in the forums is just feed it a big meal. <laughs> but if, if you need to do that every time, it's pushing, if it's pushing all the time, then you just need to get your snake tube fat using that that technique. You just maybe think of a different thing. Yeah, drop the temps, see what happens. Drop, drop the temps a little bit. Drop see if the that temps.
2: More... I mean, it can. It can be caging too. I've uh, mm-hmm. dealt with some retics that thrive in in uh, tub enclosures. Uh, the male I bred with last year, he would push his face apart if you had him in a just glass front enclosure, a PVC, mm-hmm. just typical what most of us retic keepers keep. And then I've had hatchlings that even as soon as they're born, with a ton of tub space will push away, and as soon as I put them into PVC enclosure, they're good as new. So, I I think it's important to just just try different things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, speaks to the individuality of the animals like Brian was talking about earlier.
3: Yeah, they're cool, though. They're definitely fun to keep. If you like snakes, I mean, it's kind of tough to be a retake, man. They're... I mean, I guess like some, some really highly intelligent venomous species, which are playing on a whole different, you know, level there with the the nuances of care and the fact that you need to be careful not to die, uh, from something as simple as a defensive bite, you know, which is much less risk for the retake unit, even a big full grown mainland retake, the risk of a defensive bite goes way down if you consider non-venomous versus venomous, but the level of, uh, interactivity. And personality you can get from these snakes, I mean, it's really kind of second to none. I mean, the one the one thing that I would say sets them back is is the fact that they go a little dumb when it's time to feed. Other than that, they're they're pretty incredible. Pretty perfect. Just the way they, just the little moves.
0: I'm I'm going to pose a question. I'm going to ask a question here, and it's, it's a kind of a thinker, maybe even a controversial question. But people give retics the credit of being one of the most intelligent constrictors out there, one of the most intelligent snakes out there. Do you think that we don't give them enough credit for their intelligence in the sense that we you know we're we're going into their cages with hooks dragging them out we're 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 treating them like they're unable to distinguish us from food well that's this is also speaking on the assumption that we create a routine with them but i i, I we we tend to think of them as highly intelligent animals but we we also use very primitive kind of dumb. I I need to tap it. I need to do this in order for it to understand. Like we're literally using everything that we can to just get it to understand I'm not food. Well, I mean, I just kind of answered that
3: question right before you asked it, which was that they're they are quite observant and uh fairly intelligent if you want to use that word for a snake. They they are that except when it comes to feeding times so that they kind of go dumb a little bit when it's feeding time, when they're in feeding mode response. As I told you with this girl a couple of times that you know, the most docile snake here, the first thing she did in our experience was, you know, I, I had that hook. If that wasn't my, if that, the hook doesn't have any kind of uh, heat, you know, that is putting off other than the the temperature of the room that the metal has been sitting in. But yet the first thing she sees and she tries to eat it, if that was my hand, that would have been no different. I promise. Like, th- like this girl with with the scent of with the scent of food in the room. No, you're talking no, about? There's no food in this room. There's been no food in this room for days. No, um
2: but I think that's the major distinguishing factor because you know, if I ha- if I open a cage and I have a snake that's giving me a food response, and I don't have any food in the room or haven't presented any food prior. You know, I'm able to manage that food response, eventually shut it down and work with my animal. Uh, yeah, it was but just, I mean, it was even tonight minute. when I had to refeed my animal, uh, you know, the scent of foods there, there's no shutting down that, that food response. So I think it's just situational on what's going on. So okay, they're, long, they're, they they no are time intelligent time. enough to distinguish the circ yeah the, the, that's what I'm saying though is they're intelligent enough to distinguish the circumstance on if it is really feed time or if it's not given some time.
3: Well, the the reason you yeah the reason you use a hook is because that initial response is you know if they mm-hmm. them either sinking their teeth into or not to figure out whether or not it was feeding time, whether you're not getting whether or not you're getting snake teeth in your flesh. And then just, then then the snake figuring out after that, that, oh, that wasn't feeding time. You know, and I have snakes that I don't, don't ever use a hook with to get out. Halo, um, retics, retics, halo, my big purple retic over here. Yeah. Um, either of those, the big purple retic is, is Betsy Ross. Halo is the, um, lavender motley. This phantom sunfire, I wouldn't even think about trying to put a hand on her without, um, touching with a hook first and uh this girl down on the bottom is 50 50 and i act accordingly you know i kind of i have spent enough time around i can look at them and, and see how they're moving and how they're flicking their tongue or whatever their body language is saying and based on her especially mrs 50 50 like like i can just grab put my hand on her and pull her out or the no you need the hook first so that i so that you can know that it's not hand food um but yeah, the, but these two, Halo and, and Betsy Ross, I don't use a hook on them ever. Betsy Ross is my biggest snake here. So, again, that that's...
0: It seems like the retakes do more of training us than we do of training Oh, them. yeah.
3: Absolutely. Once <laughs> you get some teeth in your skin, you learn real quick.
2: <laughs>
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oops. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Oh, didn't like that. Okay, let's not do that. <laughs> Lucky, yeah, maybe we thing. don't Is put you, you on a, a coat big...
2: rack and bob up and down while we're cleaning cages. Maybe maybe that's not the <laughs> smartest idea.
3: <laughs> uh, and I have some snakes that I mean, I've got this, this boa back here who her feed in response when I when I was doing early videos and, and feeding all my different snakes new videos with it, when she would hit the frozen thawed prey item. I would always put in a bomb explosion sound effect because it just seemed appropriate. Uh, and it still does like the, you know, like windows on the cage, like, like, like there's, there is a bomb sound, you know? Um, but I once, and my buddy Ryan was here my buddy from Hawaii who has like no snake experience. And he just kind of wanted to check out the snakes. And I was like, Oh, let's, let's check them out and see what, what's what. And, I'm doing a little getting a little more experimental because my, my buddy's here and there's just a couple dudes in the room. And it's you know not a consequential snake. If I accidentally take a feed and response bite from this boa, she's not huge. It's gonna be like, oops, I've done this before. Okay, and chew on the tail, whatever, let her get off me and wipe off the blood. And just like, okay, yeah, see, that went wrong. But this snake, when I offered her, I I hand fed her. I was like, well, let's see what happens here. Just took took the rat. And she came out, she was like kind of halfway outside of an enclosure and I was just like, here's the rat. What are you gonna do? And she slowly came up, sniffed ever so delicately. I cannot stress enough the word delicate, delicately took this rat out of my hand. Like I've never I have never had my kids take food for me as gentle as this snake did. You know, not even <laughs> close. This snake, and again, every time, every other time that I've ever fed her, every, every other time, she explodes on the food like a grenade. This one time that I decide not to use tongs and just say, "Let's oh, show and Ryan, what's what's going to happen here?" Delicate, as a highly trained princess takes her tea at tea
2: time. It, it was amazing. <laughs> Pinky out and everything.
3: <laughs> I don't know what to say about that other they than that. They definitely it happened. keep you on your toes, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just all I can say about that is that it happened. And I have witnesses.
0: <laughs> How often do you handle them?
3: Who? Snakes? Them. Them? Your
0: retics. Retics?
3: Yeah, like, what would I you say know. is
2: a good a good rule of thumb to get them to the point where you're you're at with her,
0: where she can stare into your eyes <laughs> and just see your soul, glean with joy.
3: Uh, years, years, uh, a couple of hours,
2: every day. Yeah, it's weird How thing with snakes, we... right? No
3: no i i i've that's the thing with with the snake like it's literally a couple of hours like when the first couple of hours holding a snake like this this snake in particular it's that same she's got the same demeanor as she did i've got video and i, I could i could talk all day long but i've got video evidence of this stuff um it, it didn't take years you know, she's still like this years later but it it's literally over... This is something that's really amazing about snakes. And if you really take the time to allow a snake to be itself with you and let it learn real quickly that you're not a threat and that it's not a threat to you and you have that little symbiotic moment with this other living being. Because I've, I've done this with reticulated pythons at the bottom of a, of a cave in a remote village that humanity is not seeing with the exception of the villagers wild ridiculous python in a bat cave had this this same experience with a snake like that after establishing that i was not a threat and it didn't need to fear me and that i didn't feel that threat from the snake either and we it there's video of that too it's it was it was no different than this it's just establishing it's it's quick so the answer is it's very quick um but again every snake is different you know there are personality traits differences between
2: yeah I was gonna snakes. say hide yeah yeah I I've had I've had an experience with one of those animals I've seen that video that you're referring to with uh that was with Barchek, correct that you went out to the mm-hmm. caves with
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah and I think you you guys really just hit the jackpot and got one of those individuals that was willing to trust you as long as you know you treated it with the respect it deserved and you know yeah but I, do I mean anything but i'll say life. that
3: of all the snakes i because i've at this point i've handled a lot of snakes in the wild like a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i've maybe had two bite me i might be exaggerating on on the one that i can remember and thinking that it had to be more than one
2: just in the wild or are you talking all of your snakes and
3: no i'm just talking wild. i've been i've been way i've been bit way more by all the snakes that i keep than (laughs) or by domesticated domesticated snakes than wild snakes (laughs) for whatever reason yeah no i've been bit by captive snakes like exponential amount of times more than wild snakes and maybe that's an exposure thing you know I've, I've probably handled more snakes in captivity at this point than in the wild but that's not that far off i mean i've handled plenty of snakes in the wild you know gopher snakes king snakes and all the all the snakes and also not a single snake in australia bit me or even tried to strike at me even that that owen pelly that we came across right right there on the road You know, I I went to go try and lay down next to it to so we get a size reference for Dave's video and it reared up at me and stuff, but it didn't strike.
1: You know, it's it's part of the way you approach
3: the animal part of the part of what's that?
2: Did Dave get bit that trip?
3: No. Oh, well, yeah, by an ant. That was hilarious.
2: Okay, okay. Cause I mean, yeah, I think it is a lot of just how you approach the animal, your, your demeanor, your energy level, when you're interacting with the animal that w- will determine just how that interaction is going to go.
3: Yeah. Your, your energy, I mean, the snake feeds off your energy a lot. I think I mean, if you come in with that calm, peacefulness, I mean, um, oh my gosh, I'm spacing his name right now. I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, it's right trying the tip of my tongue. I can see his face. Dang it. Lee, Lee Varner. Um, mm-hmm, we're at his mm-hmm. place. And he had a uh, was it a false water cobra? I believe it was a false water cobra. And he's like, that snake bites me every time that it tries to bite me every time it bites everybody. That snake will bite you. And Garrett's like, Brian, come handle it. Come hold it. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to get bit. Like, I'm not here to entertain you with my blood, Garrett. I'll do it if I want to, but not because you told me to. And but I, you know, I went. I was like, all right. I know why you want me to do this. You're, you're, you're trying to prove Lee wrong that the snake doesn't bite everybody. And so I, I, did, I reached in. I, you know, touched the snake on, on its back end real quick, and it, you know, it, it reacted in a quick like,
0: who's touching me back end? I, I was like, watching it's, that video.
3: As you want. So okay. See, see, that's the great thing. That's what I love about being able to document this stuff. I could be talking a bunch of crap here, but it's all on video. And it, just, I, I picked it up. It didn't bite me. So it's how you approach the animal. So you, your question that this where is all, this again? is, I remember, what's that?
0: Where was that again? Arizona. I remember watching that video. outside I of Phoenix. where you were. Outside of Phoenix. Okay.
3: Um, or in Phoenix. Um, that all stems back to your question. Like how long does it take to get the animal to be at this mode where you're just chilling with it? And it's docile, and you're staring into its eyes, and you guys are peering to each other's soul, and everybody's happy and joyful. That's up to you. That's up to the individual who's holding the snake, in my opinion. Um, Noah still can't hold one of our corn snakes, because it always bites him. And only him. (laughs) Only him. He's the only person in existence that has been bit by this corn snake. He's been bitten by it, like, every time he holds it. Every time.
0: (laughs) So... It's up to you can can we also just pause for a second to reflect that we've probably been recording for about like a total of an hour and 20 minutes and that snake has yet to pee all over him
3: <laughs> i told her we're doing a podcast you better behave or i'm gonna get the stick <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no um
0: and she will eat the stick.
3: Yeah, I don't know what to attribute that to her. I just I just made sure she had as much fresh water as she wanted just this morning. So, you know, if there was ever a time for Ritik to drink, it's when they got that fresh water that's just been poured into their bowl, you know, even if they've had water already, that like something about the surface tension is like it's no longer good enough for me. But if you pour some fresh stuff in, I'm going for it. So I I don't know. That's a good that's a good <laughs> point. Which is oh, it reminds me that I forgot to feed the big mainland girl Betsy over there earlier this week, which I wanted to, so that she could pee and poo on some kids at the party tomorrow. Dang it, spaced nice. it. Well, maybe she'll pee anyway.
2: How many kids yeah, are gonna be to at the party tomorrow?
3: That. I have no idea. It's a birthday party, so you know, birthday. Oh, okay.
2: okay. 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 <laughs>
0: birthday numbers depends on potential. Yeah, I'm not he's, a I'm not a father, he's, he's,
2: so I don't know when like school year ends or whatever. So I was thinking maybe like big gymnasium kind of a thing, but
3: oh gosh. No, it's a it's a birthday party. It's eighth or ninth okay. birthday party. I imagine that'll be 10 to 12 kids
0: if I had to do an educated guess. Should be fun. So Brian, I wanna be, before we before we get wrapped up, I want to give you like a, a little sixty minute or sixty minutes <laughs> sixty. We're going for another segment. Now, I want to give you like sixty seconds to give your blurb on on just summarizing what we've talked today. Just kind of what about retics that that you love, don't love, and just kind of that last bit of advice, tips, or uh, FML, whatever the case may be, if you could summarize your experience with keeping retakes and just kind of sum it all up to give our new listeners that are new keepers something to hold on to and take out of, go for that.
3: If you want to retake, go handle one from somebody that already has retakes. Go talk to somebody, go visit somebody who has retakes and has been keeping them and ask them their story. Get to know why they keep them. Get to experience them yourself before just bringing one into your home blindly. And uh, start there. And if you like the story that that person has to tell you, coming from experience, then maybe it's for you. And just be planning to take take a ride and let. don't give up. You know, if, if a little voice in your head tells you you've had enough, don't give in to that little voice that's that's the devil telling you you're not good enough and you are you are good enough don't don't listen to that voice um you can you can handle taking care of these animals if you want to anybody can i've seen it done by people you would think wouldn't be able to handle it physically or emotionally but they do it because they want to and so before you get one just make sure that you really really want to and Everybody will be better for it. Snake and yourself included. And I, I really hate to do this, but I, at the same time, I don't, because it's part of my sick personality that I've never learned to let go. But M&M's are racist. Look at this. I pulled these M&M's out of a single bag of M&M's today because so, I could give my buddy, you know, he wanted a bowl full of green M&M's. <laughs> He wanted a bowl full of green M&Ms, so I decided to oblige him and have him a whole bowl full of green M&Ms. And I was like, "Why are there so little? Look at look at this! This bowl is full, chock full of yellow M&Ms, and the brown. Look at how many brown M&Ms are in the bag." I I know,
2: you know the answer, Brian. Brian, it's it's a simple answer. It's the climate we've been going through. It's all for stop Asian hate.
3: <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Gotta level the playing field.
3: (laughs) Yellow snakes rule. (laughs) Get an albino.
0: (laughs) And if you're gonna get a retake, get a yellow retake. (laughs) I
3: swore to myself that I was not gonna do that. I waited till the end of the podcast.
2: (laughs) Oh my god, that's perfect. All right, everyone, thank you for joining. Uh, Get a retake, do it properly, do it the right way, join USARC, stop the Asian hate. See you later.
0: <laughs> guys, if you... <laughs> guys, guys, please like, comment, subscribe again. If you want to be a retick lounger, come join us on our Patreon for just back access on getting to interact more with us, Q&As, get involved. We'll invite you on an episode. And um, again, appreciate it. Brian, thanks so much for, for being our first guest. It definitely went as I thought it would just sloppy as hell which is how i love it perfect anytime you want sloppy (laughs) hit me up
2: (laughs) (laughs) thanks brad thank you guys all right
3: guys you guys have a good night okay yeah you too
1: thank you everyone for stopping by the retake lounge this week we hope you enjoyed this week's episode and the interview with brian cusco join us next week we'll be uploading every single friday so make sure you subscribe comment and like if you feel like it Join us on our Patreon for a little bit more exclusive uh, content as well as just make sure that you're a USARC member and supporting our industry.
0: Guys, the the Patreon's fun. Join, okay? We'll, we'll have a great time. See you, everyone.